We begin with the letter A. A is for... M is for murder. E is for... Danger! And, uh... Dodge. With... Monster. Help! Love me and be... Please! Help! Yeah. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? My name is Starge, and joining me today on the Is For Podcast is someone who's been with me since day one. His name is Danger. How are you doing today, Danger? I, I, would, I mean, day one of what we do, but not day one of, like, your day one. But day one, sure. Okay. Why'd you have to ruin it? I gave you a great intro, and you go and just throw it right back in my face. I No, it wasn't really uh, throwing it back in your face. It was uh, giving you, I guess, a reality check of, I guess, the imagination that you have of how long we've known each other. To, <laughs> to the reality of how long we've known each other. So today on the Is For Podcast, we're going to talk about the letter H, and that is going to be Hobbit. That's our topic for today, is the Hobbit. Now, I know you have some Hobbit hate in your soul, and we will get your Hobbit hate here in a minute. I have some hot Hobbit hate. Yes, I'm going to see how many H's I can get in a row. Uh, let's see here. This this subject, this is one of those things that we could like parse this out for like three, four, five seasons or episodes because there is so much behind The Hobbit, not only the book, but the movie franchise, the film franchise, that I'm not going to be, we're not going to be able to hit all of it at once, but we'll start with the book and we'll move into the first movie and I'm pretty sure that's going to take us a good portion of today's show. Okay, so I, I, I wonder, all right, let me try to figure out the best way to put this. I loved Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings are, I think, some of the most wonderful, epic, just beautiful movies. Just landscapes uh, that were uh, breathtaking. Watching them on the big screen was one of the like coolest things I could ever have, I think. Um, lots of running, so an exhausting movie. But um, the Lord of the Rings movies were fantastic. I've watched them plenty of times over, and I will continue watching them because I love those movies. Now, what The Hobbit felt like to me was if you go and you eat like a main course, you have like, you know, steak and, you know, well-seasoned, well-cooked vegetables and, you know, you had this really good meal and then somebody says, hey, would you like this bag of Lay's? Like, it felt very much like it should have been before Lord of the Rings. Yes, I understand it was a prequel and I understand there was a lot of things that were put into The Hobbit. That, now... I think part of my dislike comes from I went and saw the first movie um, in theaters when it came out in Richmond, and I was sorely disappointed. I did not like it. And so I stayed away from the other two movies because I didn't, I just assumed I wasn't going to like them. And I actually liked them more than that first movie, than the first, uh, The Hobbit. I guess we could just, I think, I guess we're referring to the movie, we have to call it The Hobbit. So when I first, when I saw the first The Hobbit, <laughs> you know, and I understand they probably had to get the Hobbit done when they did, because uh, let's face it, um, Ian McKellen is Gandalf and also very old. Um, okay. So on. let's let's start with the book, the 1937 304 page paperback, 320 page hardback, The Hobbit or There and Back Again by Tolkien. This was originally published, and I didn't know this at first, but this was originally published as a children's fantasy novel. Yeah. It's in the same genre, essentially, 
This movie could essentially be put in the same genre as Spirited Away or, uh, uh, what's it called, uh, Ponito, some of those other uh, movies because it's a movie, it, the book was originally supposed to be about the personal growth of Bilbo Baggins as he triumphs over the adversities faced in him. I didn't know this, but uh, Tolkien essentially modeled Bilbo Baggins after his own personal experience in the military during the war. Yeah, I know that um, his his time in World War One had a lot of influence on uh, the saga overall. I'm fam- I'm not really familiar with, with a lot of what went into the book. I'm more familiar with what went into the Lord of the Rings books, not necessarily The Hobbit. I just know The Hobbit was the publisher wanted more. Yeah. I think the best way to to describe this book, if I had to put it in a genre outside of like Spirited Away and stuff like that, would be like almost almost like a war memoir. Are you familiar with what uh, war memoirs are by any chance? Um, similar to a memoir, but about war? Kind of. So it's this new genre of book writing style came really into light uh, during the Iraq and Afghan wars when people were writing things like A Soldier's Duty, One Bullet Away. Uh, oh, Lord, what's the other one? Um, so do you say a war memoir is uh, like a true account of, uh, like a fictional account of war based off of very true events? No, it is a true, it is a true historic factual book but it's gone into perspective it's done in a different perspective like like in this talk like in lord of the rings for example right who is the main hero in lord of the rings well it depends on who's telling the story true right you either have frodo you could have gandalf or you could have samwise neither answer would be incorrect because the events that happen in the movie are true depending on whose perspective you're taking it in. And that is the way this book was written. If you've never read the book, read the book. It's not better than the movie. I'm not going to sit here and tell you the book's better than the movie. I'm not going to do that. Make your own opinion. I enjoyed the book. And honestly, I enjoyed the movie as long as you consider it a standalone. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I mean, I'll I'll give you that. And, you know, I whenever I've read a book that was adapted into a movie, I've always tried to separate the two. You know, I, I know there are choices that are made. One of the cool things about um, <clears throat> about Fight Club was on the DVD, it had commentary with the author and the screenwriter, and the screenwriter explained why he changed different things. And so it's like, okay, that, that was a cool thing. You don't get that. That's the only time I've ever seen that. So, you know, I think that Peter Jackson, he likes to drag things out in a <laughs> way, which I felt like he really did with, uh, from the source material. Again, never read the book. But, you know, Guillermo del Toro was also a writer, a screenwriter on the movie. Oh, we're going to get into him here in a minute. <sighs> all right, all right. I'll leave del Toro alone for now <laughs> until, until you're ready to dive into it. But, you know, I, I do understand there's liberties that are taken and changed and whatnot, but I don't know. I don't have any desire to read the read the book. Didn't really enjoy the movie. Make me enjoy the movie. Convince me. <laughs> I'm not going to convince you to enjoy anything. So... Like the movie, the book's main premise is Bilbo and Gandalf and uh, 
Oh, I have his name. Let's see. Thorn Oakenshield. Uh, Dwalin, Ballin, Killy, Philly, Dory, Nori, Ori, Orin, and Gloin. Biofor, Bofor, and Bobobor. All trying to get home to the Misty Mountains to re reclaim their, their rightful throne of the Misty Mountains. So, uh, okay. How long ago did you read the book? 2005 was the last okay. time I read so the book. So, you know, if you read it when you were a kid, it would be like a, a details are very, you know, shady. But since you read it, you know, relatively recently as an adult, let's put it that way. Um, I'm sure you can remember a few things more. So in the book, was the book about Sleepy, Dopey, Doc and the other dwarves? Um, was it about the dwarves or was it about Bilbo? It was... Go ahead. Go ahead. Because because I I really, you know, I think one of the things that that frustrated me was it's a movie called The Hobbit. The whole thing is about a hobbit going to do something, but the movie doesn't focus on the hobbit. The story is about the dwarves and about the dwarves trying to make it back to their cabin so they could be there with Snow White and, you know, get back into the mountainside and hug their dragon and you know, live happily ever after. So it, was a, it should have been called The Dwarves, Not the Hobbit. Or yes. The Hobbit Follows Dwarves. So if you read the book, the book, you'll notice that in certain chapters, the the book bounces back and forth between Bilbo and the dwarves. Gandalf, Bilbo, the dwarves. I'm not going to say the dwarves have their own chapters in each book per se, the author, Tolkien, did a good job of showing and not telling. That way you can... I don't know if you know the difference between that. So so the reader... So when you show somebody... When you show somebody a part of a book, you're, you're letting the reader make inferences before the last page in the chapter. Yeah. When you're telling somebody... You know, you're 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 essentially going. The sky was blue and it was warm that day. Instead of being creative and saying, you know, and, and this long drawn out speak in a book. Yeah, it's when it, it's when in a movie or whatever they give you all the clues, but they never directly tell you what it is. Aside, you know, and then in some movies they go, "Hey, by the way, we're going to go do this." Instead of you know showing somebody preparing to leave the house. They just say, we're going to leave now. Yeah. So I can't say, I can't say that you should rename the movie because I don't think that's true. It, like I said, if you read the book, it focuses on essentially, let's just call it discrimination at first, where the dwarves are like, we don't trust the, we don't trust the Hobbit. Right. The dwarves are these hard-charging soldiers, tinkers, smiths, stuff like that. And Bilbo Baggins in the book, he he goes into great detail in the book about how he care that how he cares about his larder, his food pantry. He cares about the cleanliness of his house, but not anything that goes on outside of his house. He is like the trip, the the typical like perfectionist, shut-in introvert. Yeah, he uh, he. he... He has Asperger's and ha everything has its place. <laughs> and so basically this is uh, uh, Bilbo. I'm here. Hot take. Bilbo has um, has uh, Asperger's and his world is his world. And it is the way that he likes it. 
not a criticism on anybody that has, you know, Asperger's. I mean, you know, you know, I have autistic people in my life and I love them. But the way that you describe him is, is that he does not like people in his space. Things are where they are and they don't belong somewhere else. It's a very black and white thing. So throughout the book, Bilbo has to overcome things like getting dirty, not sleeping in a bed, being in the rain, um, wielding a sword, learning how to fight, yada, yada, yada. All the all this stuff he has to do in like 304 pages if you have to solve that book. It's really good. I think it's good. Now, the book itself is, is if you've seen the movie, you, you've seen 90% of the book. I know you didn't like the I know you didn't like it like the movie but with the movie came a lot of things that I think they tried to do they shouldn't have done and I'll get into that in a minute. So The Hobbit starred uh see Martin Freeman as Bilbo in McClellan as reprises his role as Gandalf. Uh Richard Armitage as Thorin Oakenshield the leader and Andy's Cir- Circus Gollum again. Yeah. Right. <laughs> a lot uh, of these uh a lot of these actors got their second trilogy. Yes. Even Elijah Wood. Even Elijah Wood had an appearance in it for a little bit. Yeah. Prized his role as Frodo. Uh and who was oh my gosh. I can't remember his name. The guy that played the elf, the lead elf. Oh, um Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Hold on. I'm gonna look him up real quick. Yeah, and me, I could have told you. I know, right? I'm looking it up real quick. It is well, Kate Blanchett. Yeah. She reprised her role. She had a great role in those Hugo movies. Weaving. Yes, Hugo Weaving. Yeah. Uh even Christopher Lee as which, as Sourman. Which actually this marks Hugo's Weaving third trilogy. So Hugo Weaving has a trilogy of trilogies because he was in the Matrix trilogy, <laughs> the Rings trilogy, and then the Hobbit trilogy. Yes. So, he is a man of trilogies. Yes, he is. So the movie essentially starts off with Bilbo Baggins a- after they do the the slight flashback where they're getting where Frodo's getting the mail and Bilbo's writing his book and all this other kind of stuff, right? No, he's sitting essentially smoking a pipe on his front porch, and Gandalf just shows up and starts wrecking his day. I think a part of the movie that I like the most is when he's sitting there and he's getting ready to eat dinner. He's got his. He's got his food on his plate. He's got his napkin tucked in. He's got his fork in his knife and he's getting ready to eat. And there's a knock at his door and he has his face like, what? Like, I felt that. I felt that in my bow when when he made that face. I guess the thing about the films, while they are graphically pleasing and they take make use of a lot of the old props, like they make use of Hobbiton again. I couldn't. real place. You can go visit. You can go visit. You can't go inside the Hobbit holes, but you can go visit. The props reusage, like the extra uh, Hobbit feet, they said they got to reuse the extra Hobbit feet, so that wasn't a waste. They didn't have to make, they didn't have to uh, spend any more money on on the set backdrops. A lot of the stuff was already pre-made. It was just plug and play. They got to recycle a lot of the actors. <laughs> yes, they that, that too. That too. The thing that I think they tried to do that failed it's the storytelling portion of if you remember the first and lord of the rings fellowship of the ring it started with kate blanchett you know telling the story of how the ring of power came to be and what happened yada yada right a good narration 
Well, they kind of. I I always thought it was a cool introduction to the world, especially <laughs> like I mean I knew I knew of the Lord of the Rings world very little. I'd never read the books, but I mean. I grew up knowing stuff about it. My parents actually owned land with some friends of theirs where they were going to build a house. And they called it Middle Earth. The road going into Middle Earth was called Hobbit Trail. So we uh, we had, you know, kind of bits and pieces of the lore around us. So I, I had an understanding. But that intro with Kate, with Kate Blanchett where they're showing the rings being made and, and she's narrating how it was going out different different clans and whatnot, I always thought was just a badass opening. No, absolutely. And at the time, it was unheard of. I mean, they, there was other movies that did it before, but no movies that really drew you in like that. Right. Now, I, what they did in the movie is they tried to fill in a lot of blanks in The Hobbit. I, I believe is what they tried to do. I've watched it a few times. I actually watched it quite recently. And I feel that they tried to fill in blanks from the from the Lord of the Rings movies, not the books, the Lord of the Rings movies to The Hobbit. They tried to fill in all the blanks that people were asking from the Lord of the Rings movies. For for example, what was Glimley's request from Kate Blanchett's character? What was his request? I don't remember. Hair. A couple pieces of her beautiful elven hair. Why did he ask? Why did people go? That was his request. Why did people ask that? Why did he ask that? So people ask those questions. So how does why do, why in the Lord of the Rings movie did Gandalf refer to uh I want to say her name. I'm gonna try to say her name. And I'm gonna mess it up. Galad Galadrail. Anyways, yeah, I totally messed that up. We'll call her uh G Lady. Totally. Yeah, we'll call her G. So you know, she was kind of flirting with Gandalf. And everyone's like, was there a thing between the two? She likes a short man. And it's and the story is, the story goes that, yes, they did have a thing. And they tried to bring that into the Hobbit movie. Now, was it's, Gimli in the Hobbit at all? Like, I know, I mean... Gloin is. Gloin is, and Glimly is hit on it. But... I mean, is the Gimli character in the Hobbit book? Yes, he is hit on. Okay. Like, they hint to Gloin's son, Glimli. Uh, let's see. What was the, What was some of the other he's stuff? A, he's, a wee, he's a wee dwarf at the time. Yes, he is a very wee dwarf at the time. The, the, uh, they tried to bring in the fact that there were other wizards. You have Gandalf the Grey, Sauron yeah. the White... Uh, Radish. No, what was his name? Rag Radagash the Red. Radish the Brown or whatever. Yeah, the, whatever he was. They tried to bring it in that in because if you go through the the Lord of the Rings the the, the Tolkien lore, which is a rabbit hole that only oh, if you have yeah, only if you have a bunch of coffee and a lot of time do you go down that rabbit hole. That they sat there and. Uh, tried to show that there were 12 wizards. And Did they actually show the other ones in the series? I don't remember. The, they didn't show no, them, but one. but they talked about it. They, they they talked about the different ones. They they hit on them. In the lore, there's 12 different wizards, and each one does something different. They have certain roles to fulfill. That's why 
Gandalf is as old in The Hobbit as he is in Lord of the Rings, because Gandalf doesn't age anymore. Or he ages slower. In our Lord of the Rings movie, or episode, we... I found how old Gandalf was. He was something like 12,000 years old or something. Yeah, something ridiculous. And the parts of the book that they tried to fill in, they didn't do a good job. Like, why did the dwarves not like the uh, elves? Yeah. Well, well, in the book, it doesn't really say so. But in the movie, they bring up this whole battle sequence between the scarred. I forget I forget what the name of the scarred um, uh, orc is. I forget what his name is. The white orc. Yeah, I forget what his name is. But anyway, the one with the the one with no eye and a and a hook for a hand, basically a, a fork. orc pirate. Yeah, he had a fork. <laughs> he's, a, he's a orc pirate. Yeah, they. Uh, he wasn't really in the book. He was mentioned, but there was no big battle drawn out in the book. Not not that I can remember, at least. So so my uh, okay, I know, and I knew going into it, there were going to be things that they put in there. That, that weren't in the book. And I don't necessarily have an issue with that. But, you know, going back to what I was saying before, Peter Jackson really likes to draw stuff out and stretch stuff out. And, you know, it was, hey, here's these three movies that made us shit buckets of money. And so we want to we want you to do three more shit buckets of money movies, which they did. Um, and so he put them out. And I feel like he just went like, Okay, well, we've only got one book this time, whereas we had three books last time, so it was easier to adapt to the three movies. And three movies are always going to make more than two, and two is always going to make more than one. So we're going to make more more money, but we need to stretch one book out to three. Movies. Well, so let's put a bunch of stuff from the Lord of the Rings in that was popular, that worked, and blowed up. I think, I think, and according to the directors and stuff like that, they tried to introduce a lot more of the Tolkien lore into the movies. Because people like that. Like, where did Gandalf get his giant birds from? Oh, guess what made a special scene in the Hobbit movie? The giant eagles coming in. Save the day! Um, Which is where the uh, the line, fly you fools, comes from in the Lord of the Rings, the first one, that people didn't understand what he was talking about because the birds hadn't been introduced at that point mm-hmm. in the Lord of the Rings. Um, I knew that going in because, again, we had the Lord of the Rings lore. And stuff growing up. The but the okay, we'll we'll get into something here in a minute. I'm 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 trying to stay on my notes right now, down the bullet points before I get into in, into some of the other conjectury stuff. Sorry, my job is to distract you. <laughs> it's it's it, it's not you. There's just so much here, and I'm still parsing it out. Like I spent a good chunk of the day today parsing some more of this information out because it was like a lot of it was like would be a college lesson, and there's no test. Yeah, we already had our first Back to the Future episode. <laughs> yes, we did. The 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 Hobbit movie, as I stated, tries to introduce more lore into the Lord of the Rings world for people to love and enjoy. But what they didn't know is behind the scenes, uh, MGM, I believe it was MGM. I don't have my notes up anymore. I kind of minimized them. MGM was having some... Well, MGM and, 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 and New Line teamed up for the second batch of films. I'm, I'm going to look right now. So they, they, they teamed up for these films. They decided one of them was having a bunch of financial problems. Uh, let's see. Yeah, MGM, Metro Golden Meyer, who owned partial rights to the film, was struggling to pay back a mass, massive amounts of debt, leaving The Hobbit's future in jeopardy. 
That and New Line and the Tolkien Estate were having a feud. Gamilio del Toro, which I butchered his name, and I'm okay with that. Guillermo. Yeah, whatever. He left. And Peter Jackson just held the bag. Which, it was okay because the, I think it was afterwards, Del Toro was like, I shouldn't have left. It was one of those I shouldn't have left moments. Yeah, okay. So, I like Del Toro. I do. But I also like the idea of Del Toro better than I like Del Toro. And let me explain. Um, His movie, The Shape of Water... Uh, I watched it. I thought it was okay. I don't think it was great. Crimson Peak should have been a lot better than it was. Victorian Horror. I don't know if it would have been better had he stayed, but I would like to think that they would not have uh, Jar Jar Binks the movie so damn bad. (laughs) I mean, they... The the visual effects were garbage. I think filming the movie and I think it was forty eight frames per second actually hurt them and made it. Oh, crazy. which one? This one? Uh, they actually filmed all of them in forty eight uh, frames per second. Which is funny, and I'll get to that here in a second too. Yeah, so a lot of people don't realize the difference between the two, but it takes out a lot of the motion blur. It makes it a lot more jagged of an image, if that makes sense. And I feel like that really hurt the CG of the movie and like the entire movie just looked rushed and ugly to me, which it was part of my dislike of it. So, go on. Okay. For those people who don't understand, the human eye can only see so many frames a second. The max amount of frames a second a human eye can see is 60 frames a second. Why is that? Because that is, there's 60 seconds in a minute, so we can, our brain can only process so much information at one time for our brain gets overwhelmed it's one of those weird things now when you're doing cgi at the time the most frames a second cgi could handle was roughly about 30 frames a second so you were running uh 1920 1080p at about 30 frames a second when these movies come out imax was able to push it to like six like oh no like 55 frames a second, but it had to be almost like still photography, slow motion capture, if that makes any sense. And the 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 way our CGI could take and render that, yes, it had more pixels, but we weren't, the movie industry was not prepared for, to try to edit and merge the two different technologies together. I think, what is it, your iPhone now, Your iPhone, if you have an iPhone, your iPhone does 4K at 60 frames a second when it records videos now. Yep. And so all of that technical jargon, garbon, gargly book, um, (laughs) that's all to say that they filmed it in 48 frames per second to double their money and be able to release it in standard and 3D. Yes. Because the whole idea was if they framed it in more, in faster, you know, frames and whatnot, that uh, 3D would look better. And um, from my understanding, I didn't see it in 3D. I didn't see it in 3D either. Yeah, I saw just the standard. My understanding is uh, the 3D looked bad, like real bad. Never seen it. Now, what are some of the drawbacks to recording it, trying to record it 60 frames a second? Uh, Well, there's no motion blur. So, um, you know, everything moves exactly as it is. And, you know, your eye is used to seeing blur just as you're seeing my hands blur across the screen right now. But 60 frames a second, it's, you know, it's 
not blurring, but it's going to move just as fast, which is going to make it look stupid fast all the time. And somebody turns around and they're going to whip around real quick. And it's just going to change the way that people seem to move. Mm, I was referring to something a little bit different. Okay, well, that's just the experience so, I had. It. It's going gonna, it's gonna to end up looking like a home movie. So the problem that they were running into is filming at such a high frames a second is everything was glaringly obvious with the movie. For example, they had to constantly do makeup touches because people were recording for hours and hours a day, so facial hair is growing on the men, so they would have to either go shave or the, or the makeup artist would have to come in and reapply or they would have to go ahead and set the tone as it was going to be throughout the day. Uh, clothing was like clothing. They were going through more, more set costumes because you could actually see where like like different parts of the clothing were tearing and ripping. And it was glaringly obvious. It wasn't something that they could just sweep under the rug. It was kind of like it, the first time I saw a show in HD, it was all of a sudden I realized I preferred all my celebrities in standard definition because I saw their imperfections, saw their flaws. I saw the fact that their face was perfect, but their neck was wrinkled as hell. And yes. 60, 70, 80 years old. So it was just all of these, all of these things, these flaws that existed within, um, within the, the movie all of a sudden could not be ignored or, oh, no. <laughs> or, you know, covered up by changing lighting slightly or whatever. So the part I found, I'm not going to say fun. I get, yeah, I'll call it funny. All right. The part that I found funny is if you watch, if you watch the, the Tolkien movie, 60 frames a second, or, or even on a 4k television, right? UHD, the prosthetics look yellow. The red hues are off. Because those are the first two things people notice on the on on that color spectrum. Now, it's actually recommended you alter you you change the colors for movies that are filmed in a certain uh, frame rate. Yes, the runtime for these movies, the three movies, is four hundred eighty-three <laughs> hours and four hundred and seventy-four minutes, or seven hours and fifty-four minutes long. Now, the addition, the extended edition cuts are a total of eight hours and fifty-two minutes. This, th these numbers really boggle my mind, and I mean, I can see these numbers in my head if I looked, but these numbers boggle my mind. So, The Hobbit, the first movie, The Hobbit, two thousand and twelve, number forty-seven in the box office that year, with a budget of two hundred million dollars, grossed. One billion dollars in revenue worldwide. Only three hundred million of that came from the United States and Canada. They made their money, United States and Canada, and then everything else afterwards. Yeah. Desolation of Smaug, the second movie, which Smaug. Uh, it was uh 2013, one year later, 2013, and it had a budget of 250 million. And they only grossed $258 million in the United States. A paltry, a paltry $959 million worldwide. I know, right? Oh. Coming off that Lord of the Rings movie money, how <laughs> dare they people not go see it as much. Now, only, it only makes them a modest lump of money. 
The Battle for Five Armies, which was the last movie. December 2014, with a budget of $250 million, made $255 million. In the United States, $962 million worldwide. For a grand total of $3 billion for the franchise. That's not a bad payday. No. But I mean... <laughs> You know, I mean, they did have a budget and all, so you know, but it's it's not a bad payday. Um, not a bad okay. payday at all. Okay, so you just went through the names of all the movies. I would like to propose new names for each movie. Oh, okay. This is this your is this your Hobbit hate coming out? Um, this is my um, um Hobbit realism. Okay. All right. So the first movie is called The Hobbit: An Unexpected Journey. And okay. I feel like it should be called. A Hobbit, Dwarves Hijacked My Day. <laughs> okay. The second one is called The Hobbit, The Desolation of Smoag or Smaug. Smaug. Yeah. Then we're going to call this one The Hobbit, Dragons and Golden Hoarding. All right. And, and then the third one, The Hobbit, Battle of Five Armies, is just going to be called The Hobbit, We're going to fight until you wish we killed you because you've been watching this for way too long. Go outside and meet somebody. Now, the first one, the unexpected journey should be the unexpected house guest. Because honestly, in the movie, after they get out of the house, the rest of it's neither here nor there. I will tell you that uh, the game franchise for The Hobbit started 2012 with uh, The Hobbit Dwarf Combat Training, The Hobbit Kingdoms of Middle-Earth, Armies of the Third Age, Desolation of Smaug. And Desolation of Smaug had one, two, three, three games. Spiders of Mirkwood, Barrel Escape, and Journey Through Middle-Earth, respectively, 2013. And five uh, armies was Orc Attack and the Fight for Middle-Earth. And then, of course, there had to be a Lego Hobbit game. Because why not? Lego does everything. And Shadows of Mordor, which yeah. is interesting. The I mean, I, I played the... The Lego Lord of the Rings game, um, and it was all three of the movies. I didn't play the Hobbit ones; didn't care to. I don't know if you can tell yet, but I didn't like the movies. Just want to, <laughs> to make sure that's done. You know, the uh, in the Lord of the Rings games um, always seemed fine to me. They never seemed, you know, like holy shit, this game is awesome. You know, I know other people got really, really into them. were they weren't my jam, but they weren't my jam. They weren't my jam. But, you know, it, it, this this goes back to something that we've actually mentioned before. If there is something that people like, they will make it. Yes. In some way. And, you know, it obviously made a shit bucket ton of money. And so, of course, they're going to go out and make all these other things. I don't think they were needed at all. But I do think that the best thing that came out of the movie was that uh, we got a guy named Paul Oakenfield. I mean, Thorin Oakenshield. And um, I, that's a pretty badass name, if you ask me. So, Uh-huh. I'm looking up something. I figured so. Because eh, eh, this just just hit me. Uh, da, da, da. So, <laughs> so, in 2013, there was a explosion of Dungeons and Dragons Wizards of the Coast sales. Yeah, because uh, the Lord of the Rings movies and the Hobbit movies are, I think, the closest that 
we have and ever will get to a proper high fantasy Lord of the Rings type movie. You can't make Lord of the Rings into a movie unless you're going to do a Netflix choose your own adventure game. Because there's, so much, I mean, there, there's so much in uh, Dungeons and Dragons. It's just very much dependent on how you're feeling at the moment and what decision you make. So if we're going to get a scripted, whatever scripted movie, it's going to be just a high fantasy movie. And I think Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit were the closest thing we're ever going to get to it. This brought back, uh, this brought Dungeons and Dragons back, to, I'm not going to say back to the forefront, but a lot of people start picking up the plane and afterwards, it's like, oh, this is so cool. I think that's pretty awesome. But this also brought other games back into the limelight in 2013 and 2014. Well, even when Lord of the Rings came out, which you're going to have to go back to the Lord of the Rings episode, ladies and gentlemen, and listen to that, because that was actually pretty good. It almost relaunched a lot of the movies that shouldn't have been made, but were made from books. Uh, Starship Troopers, for example, um, that should never have been made into a movie. Uh, I'm going to disagree with you all day on that one. No. No, and and the nine spinoffs afterwards should not have been done either. I'm not going to disagree with you on that, but I love love the first one. I've watched all of them. I've watched them all. And that's part of the reason why I'm not going to disagree with you. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, we have dug, dove into The Hobbit. Oh, we have talked about we Lord of the Rings. Right, we we dove, and I'm I'm swimming. <laughs> I'm I'm swimming just fine. I'm swimming in my Hobbit hate, and I'm swimming a- in your Hobbit hate. I uh, not my Hobbit hole, my Hobbit hate. You know, I'm a uh, I'm okay with it. I don't need to like those movies. Um, I love the Lord of the Rings movies. I have no desire, and I don't think it's going to enrich my um, Tolkien experience at all by reading the book. So I don't need to. I also don't need to read uh, J.R.R. Tolkien describe a tree for 12 pages because I know that that's what he does in the book. Like, I, just, I just don't need that in my life. I don't, I don't need that added thing. There's other things I'd rather do. <laughs> so I'm going to continue on in my hatred of The Hobbit, my dislike of it. I will uh, say the movies got a little bit better as they went on. It really, it felt very disconjointed to me. The The stories narratively did not flow well. It seemed very jerky and a little confusing at times. I mean, I know in the Hobbit book, there was a thing. It wasn't like some big dramatic thing that somebody shot the dragon, Smoag, Smaug, or whatever, and, and with an arrow. It was just some guy. It was, it was some guy. And then so then uh, I know in the movie it was a guy named Bard. Well, I mean, that's where uh, that was our Shakespeare reference. Bard. Yeah. I, um, you know, in the last movie, just one big, long fight. Like I was ex- I, I, I just I got bored because it was like, OK, we're just still fighting. We're just still fighting. Like it was fighting up until the last like, I don't know. 15 minutes and then it was like okay we're gonna have a little bit of story here and try to close things up and to where it doesn't mess with the continuity of the lord of the rings and oh but it did oh i know i know i know and i think it was because they tried to bring too much of the lord of the rings into it and you know i think tolkien probably did a fine job sticking with the continuity of things with the books but then when you start messing with the books and what the books laid the foundation of it uh 
it doesn't always go so well. So, yeah. Um, Hobbit, Jar Jar Binks the hell out of the first one. Second one <laughs> was uh, was neat to get a few references for things. But, uh, I don't know. Was the whole thing about them like in the wine barrels going down the river and Legolas jumping across and then like trying to fight off the orcs? Was that the second movie? I don't remember. I think it was. Uh, the part was dumb. I don't like it. <laughs> yeah. Well, have I told you the joke about the colorblind electrician? I shouldn't, because it was shocking. Ah. Uh, oh. He should come work in my house, because nothing is marked positive or negative. It's just all black wires. <laughs> all right, what else you got? What else do I got? Uh, where do pirates get their hooks? Secondhand store. Oh, all right. I think you uh, I think you may have told that one before. But... I may have. Okay. What do you call it when uh, James Bond's in the bathtub? What? Bubble 07. Oh my gosh. Okay, I got two Batman ones for you. You ready? Yep. All right. What do you call it when Batman skips church? What? Christian Bale. Ah. What do you call it when Batman gets hurt? I don't know. Bruised Wayne. Oh. What's Forrest Gump's password? I don't know. One Forrest one. Uh, <laughs> if prisoners could take their own mug shots, would they be called selfies? S uh, C E L L fees. That, that joke probably works better visually, but I appreciate it. Hey, you know, I'm trying. I I am trying. Oh yeah, you are. That 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 was not a bad one. I went to McDonald's the other day, and I ordered two large fries. Those bastards gave me hundreds of tiny ones. <laughs> uh, a panic-stricken man exclaimed to his doctor, you have to help me. I think I'm shrieking. Now settle down. The doctor calmly told him, you'll just have to learn to be a little patient. <laughs> so, that's good. All right. I'll, uh, I'll end on this one. Okay. How, uh, how do you keep a fool in suspense? I don't know. Oh, you're great. You're great. Why did the alternate universe Spider-Man do so well on his driving test? I don't know why. Because he's an excellent parallel Parker. That was a science one. Uh, that was. That was. That uh, That was that, that requires some understanding of dimensions. <laughs> yeah. I used to hate facial hair, but then it grew on me. All right, ladies and gentlemen. That's it for tonight. I am Sarge. I am Danger, and I'm still waiting on him to grow on me. Yeah, I'm like Cantor. Later, guys. It's over. Done. Done.